Alright. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Caleb. It's nice to have someone to share the notices and such jobs with. Um, but yes, welcome to Prayer and Self-Denial for 2021. So Prayer and Self-Denial, which we've been going on about for a few weeks now, um, just to remind you or to inform you, if you maybe don't already know, it is the annual appeal of the New Zealand Baptist Missionary Society. And so it, fa- it focuses on helping churches to engage with the work that they are doing overseas Um, And they are asking churches to support them both financially and with prayer. And so the idea of prayer and self-denial is that for the three weeks of the appeal, you would choose choose to give up something, to deny yourself something. And with the financial saving that you gain from that, you would give that towards the work that is being done. And with the time saving that you might get from giving up whatever it is, you would give that time to praying for the missionaries sent out by NZBMS. So this year, they've provided us that little resource that Caleb held up before. So if you don't have one of those cards with a bookmark, make sure that you grab them on your way out. So this year, the prayer and self-denial, each year it has a theme. And this year, it's all themed around the book of Esther. So, you know, you guys will obviously enjoy as over the next three weeks, we rehash the story all again. But don't worry, no, we're not going to do that. It just happened to be a coincidence that I'd planned the Esther series without knowing what parent self-denial was. Um, And then it turns out they're about the same thing. But that's all right, because it just means, you know, we get a head start, head start on it. But what we are going to do um, over the next few weeks is today we'll start with a bit of an introduction that does go over some of the aspects of the story of Esther, but introduces us to this topic of focusing focusing our eyes and our minds on global God's global mission. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to have a few guests. So next week, Cassandra Wilson and the Ripley family, they are both going to share together about how they engage in global mission from right here in New Zealand. So they're going to share about the work that they are doing. And then the following week, we have guests coming from an organisation called Urban Neighbours of Hope, or UNO. Their names are Dave and Denise Timms, and they run a missional order from their home in Manurewa. And so they live there and they serve there as missionaries in their own community, and they strive to see their community transformed and to see it thriving. So they're going to come and share next. No, on the 11th of July, um, about yeah, what mission and engaging in God's mission looks like for them. And then in the final week, the 18th of July, as a part of the service, we're going to open it up and we're going to ask you or invite you to share, if you would like, about how you are engaging with, with God's mission in your own life. We know last week Vanessa shared with me briefly about a few things that the Life Plus Trust are involved in that they would like to share about. And so we thought, let's make an opportunity for everyone to share about how they're engaging with God's mission. And who knows, over the next few weeks, um, you might be inspired and there might be something brand new that you're going to get involved in that you might want to share with us. And then the week following that, which will be the 25th of July, which doesn't really fall within our prayer and self-denial kind of official 
timeline, but that's okay. Um, we're going to have MMM coming to share with us. So they're the organisation who are coming later in the year to help us with our building project. So they're just another unique group who are coming to share with us a very practical way in which they engage in God's mission. Um, and yeah, how that's an expression of who they are and yeah, what they feel called to do. So Hopefully, over the next few weeks, what you get is a, is a glimpse and a picture of how broad God's mission can be and how broadly we can be involved in God's mission. So my prayer is that this month we will expand our picture of what mission is and that we'll, we will be aided to see the many, many different ways that we can engage with God's mission in this world. And I pray that we will be stirred to participate in that mission in whatever way we can and whatever way we are called to do so. So just as we begin, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your mission to this world and that you invite us to be a part of it. Lord God, we can so easily forget that you have invited us to help and to participate in your work in the work for your kingdom. So Lord, over these next few weeks, as we hear from some of your people serving in different ways, Lord, would your Holy Spirit inspire us? Would your Holy Spirit stir us? And would we choose to act? Would we choose to go? And would we choose to respond to this call? We thank you, God, that you're with us always. And we pray this morning that we will hear your voice. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, last week I posed the question to the church asking, who knows? Perhaps himself, you were made to be the church where you are for just such a time as this. And I asked you to discuss and to pray about where you, might, where you thought God might be moving in this place. What things he had his hand on and that he was already involved with. And we asked, what can we do? to get involved with and on board with that work. And so today I want to ask the same question, but I'm going to push it a little bit more personally, asking, who knows? Perhaps you, whoever you are. Perhaps you, Ray. Perhaps you, Doug. Perhaps you, Janet. Perhaps you were called to be just who you are for just such a time as this. Prayer and self-denial is all about calling us to look outwards. It's all about us hearing and responding to Jesus' words when he called us to go out beyond ourselves, beyond our regular, beyond maybe what's comfortable, and to ensure that people all across the world are hearing his good news. His words are recorded for us in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' commands are there, very plain. Go, make disciples, baptize and teach and know that I am with you until the end of the age. So at prayer and self-denial time, we are reminded 
of this call, this call which comes to each of us, comes to every single one of us, and it is up to us to respond. And so hopefully, over the next few weeks, you'll find out a, few, a bit about a few different ways that people respond to this call and how they respond to this question of who knows. Perhaps they were made to be exactly who they are for just such a time as this. And I hope that what you'll see through all of this is that while the call is the same for each of us, while the call comes to each of us and we are all given a purpose by God, our responses to the call and our purposes within his mission can be very varied and look very different. And we see aspects of the different responses in the story of Esther. In Esther's story, there is this crunch time, this time of crisis, where decisions need to be made, people need to be confronted, action is required. And the three main characters, Esther, Mordecai, and Haman, we see three different responses in this time of crisis from these characters. So we'll start with Haman, the bad guy. And it's probably fair to say that for Haman, he caused a lot of this crisis himself. He caused a lot of this sort of terror through his own actions. But when we read the story of Esther and when we look into the character of Haman, we can see maybe why he brought this all upon well, himself and upon others. So Haman is introduced to us in the beginning of chapter 3 when King Xerxes promotes him to be over all of the nobles in the kingdom. So he is the most official, the highest official of all the officials in Xerxes' empire. And the king had commanded that Haman's position was supposed to be respected. So that meant that anyone who met him, anyone who encountered him, they would have to bow down before him when they came into his presence. Which Haman, I mean, he really loved that. And we can see how much he loved it with how much he hated when Mordecai refused to bow down to him. Haman was filled with rage. And Mordecai's disrespect, dealing with that, just wasn't enough. And from that came his plot to kill all of the Jews. Haman then really reveals his true character in chapter 5 when Esther invites him to come to dinner with her and the king, a private banquet, just the three of them. And then at the end of that dinner, when nothing's really resolved between the king and Esther, Esther invites him back again to join the two of them for dinner again the next night. And Haman goes home proud as punch. And Esther 5 verses 9 to 13 says, Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors that the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, and that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us, and she has invited me to dine with them again tomorrow. Then he added, but all of this 
is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. We're never told of Haman noticing any other Jew not bowing down to him. There's never mention of anyone else who disrespected him or anything. It's just Mordecai. And one man's actions were just enough to end it all for Haman. He said it himself, it's all worth nothing as long as he sees Mordecai the Jew sitting there at the palace gate. With Haman's position came great opportunity. He was given, just gifted, great influence over all sorts of people. He had a direct line in with the very influenceable king. And we could ask, who knows? Perhaps, Haman, you have been promoted over all the other nobles for just such a time as this. Yet Haman's own pride prevented him from ever using his position for any kind of good. Because he threw it all away when one person wouldn't bow down to him. Haman was at the center of Haman's world, and he couldn't understand why he wasn't the center of everyone else's. He couldn't bear the thought that that might not be the case. He had to have it all. He had to be it all. He had to do it all. And ultimately, he lost everything, including his own life, trying to get there. God is calling us not to build lives for ourselves, but rather to give away our lives for the sake of others. God's mission doesn't center around I. It doesn't center around what I want or what I like or what I think is best. No, God's mission is centered around God and God's will and God's desire for everyone to know the good news of Jesus Christ. When we place ourselves at the center, we make it near impossible for ourselves to participate in God's mission because we're always looking out for ourselves first. God's mission requires us to give up our lives into God's hands, to give it all away for the good of others. God's mission requires us to trust in him, to trust that God will care for us as we care for others on his behalf. And it requires us to have faith that the position, that the place that we find ourselves in, that the purpose God has called us to, can be transformative for anyone that we encounter. Haman, he tried to have it all, to be it all, to do it all, all for himself. Don't get into a Haman habit. Trust God, have faith, live outwardly. Because who knows, someone's out there, probably, who needs someone exactly like you just at a time like this. Next, we'll take a look at the title girl, Esther, the woman on the front line. So Esther enters the palace and ro rises to dizzying, the dizzying heights of Persian queendom. And she does this by concealing her true Jewish identity. She wins the favor of the king's eunuch and then the favor of the king himself by outperforming all the other women there. And Esther takes the crown and she lives her life in the palace a life that consists of responding to the king's every beck and call. 
After a while, though, Esther's quiet life is thrown into disruption when she sees her cousin Mordecai out at the king's gate, weeping and wailing, dressed in sackcloth and ashes. And after establishing what was going on and learning for the first time about Haman's plot to kill the Jews, Esther is faced with a decision. Will she risk her life, take action by going to see the king, or will she simply stay put, not revealing who she truly is, and just hope that her life might be spared? Esther 4 verses 15 to 16 details what Esther, the decision that Esther makes. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go and see the king. If I must die, I must die. Esther's response in this time of crisis was to turn to God, to pray, to fast, and then to take action. After three days of prayer and fasting, Esther prepares herself, dresses herself in her royal robes, and goes to encounter the king in his throne room, knowing that that moment could be the last moment of her life. She goes all in. And fortunately for Esther, the king smiles at her. He's pleased to see her, and he welcomes her in freely, sparing her life and allowing her the opportunity in turn to spare the lives of thousands of Jews. Esther is positioned right there on the front line. And little did she know when she, a Jew, became the queen of a Persian kingdom, that all of this was going to blow up, that the lives of her people were going to be cut short, and that she would be the only one with the position to do anything about it. But while it was little did she know, we can be confident that God did know, that God had seen this coming, and that God had placed her there in the palace for just such a time as this. But even though she was positioned on the front line, right there in the thick of it, Esther still had to make a decision. She still had to choose to act. God's mission, it is global, it is everywhere, and that is because People exist everywhere who haven't yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people all across the world, and there are people out there on the street. There are people in our workplaces, in our schools, our universities, in our retirement villages, in our groups, in our clubs, in our teams, who need to hear the good news. So God places people around throughout these environments to be his good news messengers. But those messengers, as strategically placed as they may be, they can't affect change unless they choose to act. Participating in God's mission requires using a lot of verbs, like going, making disciples, teaching, and knowing. And while simply being there is definitely the first step and a very important one, we need to choose to act in order to be fully participating. Esther demonstrated frontline faithfulness, where she put her faith in God and in the position that she had been given. And she chose to use that position and to act from it. This is the Esther era. 
God's people are scattered throughout the front lines everywhere. What front line are you on? And my next question is, then what are you going to do there? How will you act on your own front line? Lastly, we're going to look at the character of Mordecai, a Jewish man, a cousin of Esther's who adopted her as an orphan, a small-time palace official, and then the man whose greatness is recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Medea and Persia. Mordecai, he starts out just as a Jewish man. Then we learn that he adopted Esther, his orphaned cousin. He was a kind Jewish man. Then Mordecai becomes a palace official, working at the palace gate. Not a big role, not a super important role, not a powerful role. Just a role that keeps him close to his cousin in the palace. We then learn that Mordecai is a passionate Jewish man, as Esther 4 introduces him weeping and wailing bitterly at the king's gate at the news of Haman's decree. And then we get Mordecai's great call to action in verses 13 and 14 of Esther 4, as he says to Esther, don't for a moment think that just because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arrive from someone somewhere else, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Mordecai, he sees the bigger picture. Sure, he probably doesn't want to die. He doesn't want his life to be cut short by Haman's evil plot. But he also sees that Haman's evil plot doesn't just bring an end to his life. It brings an end to the lives of all the Jews. All an end to the line of God's people. And it would seemingly cut off some of God's promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Mordecai's concern and his grief isn't simply for his own life. It's for the lives of all of God's people. It is for the future of God's kingdom here on earth. So Mordecai, he protests loudly and he protests obviously. He lets his grief get in the face of Queen Esther. And he lets her know why he's distraught. He doesn't hold back at all. And he allows his grief to disturb her to the point of action. Nothing that Mordecai says in four, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14 is untrue. He is confident that God will still move and work regardless of Esther's involvement. But Mordecai makes it clear to Esther that if she doesn't act... If she doesn't choose to do something from her position, it's almost certain that she will see her life and the life of her ancestors and her relatives come to an end. It's not untrue, but it's hard-hitting. It's difficult to hear, and I imagine for Esther it was hard for her to know that was her reality. Mordecai doesn't hold back at all. But he does give an option. He gives a suggestion of how she might help, of how things could be made different. Who knows, he says to her, but perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. We need the Mordecais working for God's mission. 
We need the people who will see injustice and who will see opportunity and who will boldly bring attention to them. Do you think sometimes we don't protest loudly enough? Do you think sometimes we let opportunity just pass us by without really putting in a good amount of effort to seize it? I think we might do that, but Mordecai, he certainly didn't. Mordecai remains devoted to his God and to his people, and he uses the resources that he has to make change. He uses his voice to boldly proclaim that he is upset and to ask the pressing question of the one who could make a difference. He uses his heart, appealing to God as God's child, asking him, Lord, spare your people. And he uses his connections. He goes to Esther and he asks her for help. Mordecai's resources were simple. They were nothing special, probably nothing more than what we already have. Our voices, our God, and our people. Being a part of the Mordecai movement is how we can see change happen. By using our voice, by relying on God, and by standing together with our people, things can change and things will change. We need the Mordecais the ones who see beyond themselves, the ones who see the importance in fighting for the well-being of others, the ones who will use what they've got, where they've got it. I wonder what it is that you might have to offer. What is it that you've got to use? And then my next question, well, how are you going to use it for God's mission? Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is God's mission, that we would go, make disciples, baptize and teach. And this mission is for everyone. It is for you, it is for me, and it is for anyone else who hears God's call. But the way we might engage with it, the way we might take part in it, will likely look vastly different to the person sitting next to us. Just like what we see in these characters in Esther. There's Haman He couldn't even get involved. He couldn't even respond to the call because he was so wrapped up in himself and serving himself and seeing himself and trying to have it all for himself. We must be mindful of not falling into a Haman habit where we place ourselves at the center. We need to trust God and we need to have faith in his faithfulness to us. Secondly, there's Esther the Jewish girl who was queen of a Persian kingdom, in the front lines, faced with a decision that risks her own life, yet could spare the lives of thousands of others. Within God's mission, we are each given a purpose, and God calls us and places us strategically 
to live out that purpose for the betterment of others. Yet in that place and in that purpose, we still have to choose to act. We still have to choose to participate and trust God in that space. And then we have Mordecai, a faithful Jewish man who sees the bigger picture. A man who uses what he's got where he's got. We are called to be a part of God's mission just as we are. We've all got something to give. We don't have to have flashy skills or large amounts of resource. God invites us to participate with whatever it is we've got. In the story of Esther, Haman, Esther, and Mordecai, they all play unique roles. And their responses in this time of crisis are very varied based on their character and their position. But what is clear is that each of them had a place. Each of them had a purpose. Each of them had choices to make. And they had to consider, perhaps I should be right here at just such a time as this. God's mission is global. And we are called to participate in this mission to the ends of the earth. There is good news to be shared. And there are people everywhere who need to hear it. We are called to be messengers, to go, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, and to know that Jesus is with us always. As you hear this call afresh today, you might find that you need to refocus your priorities, that you need to reset what it is that you value most. Or you might find that you are, in fact, already in the front lines. You're in the thick of it, faced with a choice to either act or to ignore. Or maybe you'll find yourself just right where you are, with a sense that something needs to be done, and you want to be a part of it. As you're reminded of the mission God has called you to today, let me ask the question one more time. Who knows? Perhaps you were made to be exactly who you are for just such a time as this. So who are you? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and reveal to us who we are? Holy Spirit, would we be bold in coming forward to you and asking for your wisdom, for your guidance, on informing us who we are and informing us on what our place, what our purpose in this world is. We thank you that we, just the people of the south of Hamilton, are invited to be a part of God's mission. We are invited to be a part of the mission to bring heaven and earth together. Let us never take that for granted. and Let us never hold that too lightly. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this morning? Tell us who we are. What is our purpose? Where is our place? And then help us to be bold, to act, to choose to use what we've got, and to choose to participate. But we thank you, God. What a privilege it is to be messengers of your good news. 
In Jesus' name, amen.